so I didn't have many options for the name for this episode. It's either Alex Alexstancia, Alex Alexstinia. I don't know how I'm pronouncing it. Alexis Tana, or August on Fire. Alexis on Niobe. <laughs> Rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> Rolls right off the I, tongue. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Sugar caribou. <laughs> Sugar caribou. I guess that could come around. That works. Right. <laughs> Hello and everybody. Welcome to Shuffle episode 13. The luckiest episode of them all. Uh, before we get started, just wanted to give you a friendly reminder to please listen to the five songs that we will be discussing in this week's episode. Links to those songs can be found in the description for this episode. Sitting across the table from me today is everyone's favorite DJ clown hole, Dommy Jugs. Pleasure to be here, Jared. Thanks think, for having me. I think you meant to say whoop whoop. Whoop whoop. <laughs> Dommy Jugs, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Don't Dom- turn my mic down. <laughs> I want to break that I'm shit. I'm sorry, peaking a bit. <laughs> but I guess if you want the listeners' ears to bleed, Dommy Jugs has to have his way. Dommy Jugs is going to make you bleed. I am happy to announce that it has been one episode since our last ICP incident. Nice. Whoop, whoop. We've come a long way. Yeah. I see you got face paint on this week. I did, just to <laughs> kind of commemorate what we went through last week. Nice. Uh, so, a little sparse on the ICP News Corner, though I did find something slightly relevant. The Daily News, the tabloid newspaper, has been... <laughs> referencing celebrity supporters of Trump as the insane clown posse. Uh, So like every time a public figure, politician, celebrity publicly announces an endorsement for it's Trump, they join the insane clown posse, (laughs) which is right now consisting of Sarah Palin, former pitcher John Rocker, actor Gary Busey, and fucking asshole Ted Nugent. It sounds like sounds like the right kind of posse for Trump. Yeah, <laughs> the insane clown posse. <laughs> nice. Uh, are, let's move on to the Skrillex saga. Nice. Our our good friend Martin Skrelly, <laughs> the, the, the Skrillex saga. <laughs> so, Ghostface Killa has responded to Martin's diss video with in an eleven minute long response video Hmm. boiler alert he did not write the 500 word apology essay that martin demanded Uh oh. in this video ghostface killer refers to the goons that appeared with martin in his video as snap crackle and pop yeah yeah and he he proceeds to call martin a fake ass supervillain, and then shows a montage of the old live action batman show of like uh, it's like a montage of the Joker and the Riddler and the Penguins like talking to his goons and saying, get him, get him, get him. <laughs> He's like, you look like that. And then he nice. photoshopped Martin's face onto Pee Wee Herman's body and called him a grown-ass man in a 12-year-old body. <laughs> and then the, the video, which starts off very kind of humorous and insulting, takes a really weird turn. Because Martin insulted the integrity of Ghostface Killa's goons 
So mm. Ghostface Kill is like, I'm gonna bring my goons out and show you. And three women come out in um, what balaclava masks. Yeah. With these T-shirts on with Martin's face on it, and then they pull their masks off, and it's Ghostface Killer's mother, his sister, and some white woman, older woman. <laughs> and the three then proceed to like just chew Martin's ass out. And then his sister starts crying and talking about how she had like a brain tumor. And I don't know if you knew this, but Ghostface Killer has like an essential oils line. I did not know that. And wow. like the sister started crying and talking about how Martin's charging all these people money for the pills and Ghostface Killer made this little oil remedy that saved her life and it cures migraines and brain tumors and anxiety and stuff. Oh and it God. turns into this giant product placement commercial. Like the last, it's 11 minutes long, the last yeah. five minutes are just like him <laughs> selling yeah. all of these things. Like he also sells this like miracle cream that's called Woo Goo, like Wu Tang Goo, Woo Goo. It's it's a weird video. Maybe they're in like cahoots together. You think this is just cross advertising I, with I Ghostface and Martin? It it gets really weird. Have you heard Martin's biography? Do you know about him? You know, it's I was very provocative. I was I googling him today, and like all the top articles that were coming up, it's like you don't know the truth behind yeah. him. And like, they're yeah. from what I gathered, for as despicable a person as he is, he's also being slandered in the news. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. So, and apparently, his parents were like immigrants, came to New York, and were very, very, very poor. He grew up like dirt poor. Like his dad, I, like worked at like a laundromat or something, and like stay-at-home mom. And he like worked like really hard to like get into you know good school. And apparently, he has been more or less kind of an asshole his whole life. But like he screwed. There was some weird event where he kind of like screw like stuck kind of stuck the proverbial finger at his like a uh, high school in like a weird way but but apparently he rose from nothing hard not play. well i guess good for him he's not doing a lot these days <laughs> to like help his integrity at all yeah he recently was summoned by congress to testify in a hearing about his, the fact that he was arrested like yeah. the allegations yeah. towards him yeah and you can watch this video of it so Every time he was asked a question, <laughs> he responded with, on the advice of counsel, I invoke my Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination and respectfully decline to answer your question. Yeah. And it's just like a half hour of all these people like asking him these questions like, do you feel bad? What do you say to this person? What were you thinking every yeah. time? And he doesn't even recite it. Every time he looks down at his paper and reads <laughs> it off the page. And there's a lot of like just him like rolling his eyes and smirking. It's and funny because I there was one part. I just watched like a 30 second clip of this. Because yeah, he looks like a little kid. But one of the Congress men um, is like, I hope you know that you can answer these questions and it won't incriminate you. And then his lawyer, who's very, 
very famous. He's like done really like high profile. I'm sure he's the best money. Can yeah, buy. he like reaches over, touches him, whispers in his ear, and then Martin is like, "I think I'll stick with the advice of my attorney and not answer these yeah. questions." <laughs> That's yeah. Which I gotta be honest. As much as it's so easy to hate Martin, it's so easy to hate him. He probably was doing the most logical thing possible because I don't know the nature of these congressional hearings, but my impression is that his lawyer was right, that ev- that it's mostly just like an opportunity for you to incriminate yourself because no, it's not the hearing exactly. yet, per se. Huh? And like a lot of those articles I was reading, they were talking about is like... It, it's all for like the sensation of news like yeah he's not the first person in the pharmaceutical industry to do this At like all. Yeah. newsflash the pharmaceutical industry is a bunch of fucking assholes yeah they're all, all of them. they're all capitalists yeah. and they're just trying to turn a profit and yep. he was doing exactly what all yeah. those companies do now yeah i know there's some sketchy stuff going on with his hedge fund stuff which i think is the real reason that he's being arrested but everyone yeah. thinks for some reason it's because he raised the price of this drug which she was perfectly legally it was within his rights yeah, to do it was yeah, yeah, the, yeah the guy that talked to him was south carolina representative trey gowdy mm. i mentioned his name because i need to bring this back to music because during the <laughs> hearing he brought up the wu-tang clan album he said just trying to get Martin to talk. We can even talk about the purchase of Wu-Tang Clan. Is that the name of the album? Is that the name of the group? To which Skrilla responded, on the advice of counsel, I invoke my Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination and respectfully decline to answer your question. (laughs) Which Rowdy then responded, I am stunned that a conversation about an album he purchased could possibly subject him to incrimination. Which ironic that he said that because just today it has been announced that he's being sued for that album what really so allegedly around the time when one night in shaolin was recorded some artist uh drew a bunch of fan images of the wu-tang clan and posted it to their website and i guess the wu-tang clan took these images and put them into the album art of this album Mm. and no one ever knew about it because this is the first time someone bought it and now i guess it's been revealed that these images were put there without the artist's permission because he did show what the the album looked like in that video yes so he he and the wu-tang clan and the their production company are all being sued by oh, this man. artist guy now because I think he wants some of that two million dollars yeah. that the Wu Tang Clan just got. So Makes sense. he is being sued for wow. the album. <laughs> yeah, still no word on his mixtape. Everyone, everyone's corrupt, man. Yeah. There are no heroes except Ghostface Killer's line of essential oils. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> God. Uh, That's the only hero is the oil, the essential oils. Come on. And woo-goo. Yeah, and woo-goo. Yeah, and like the whole time in his video, they're like standing in a kitchen, and all on the table is just like merchandise, like the oils, Wu-Tang Clan hats, bracelets, t-shirts. Oh, my God. The video like literally ends with just like a three-minute period of like the products flashing on the screen and their price. (laughs) I, it's fucking weird. Yeah. Let's move on to our new segment, Kanye Corner. 
and that's Kanye spelled K O R N E R. Is it adjacent to the ICP corner? Yes. Okay. It's Kitty Corner. <laughs> Kitty Corner. Now this is called Kanye, Kanye Corner with K O R N because I only talk about news involving both Kanye West and the band Corn. No, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very <laughs> niche. There's not a lot of overlap. But it's a devout demographic we're appealing to here. They love it. So I just decided to give him his own segment because he's been popping up a lot lately and I have a lot to say about him. So his new album drops tomorrow. Maybe we should review it we probably should (laughs) so yeah let's plan on doing that (laughs) no music news just talking about whatever the hell this album's gonna be titled yeah yeah that's all we so originally it was supposed to be called so help me god which was then renamed to swish which was then renamed to waves which was then potentially renamed back to swish which then was set forward back to waves again and now a couple days ago, he sent out this mysterious tweet saying, if anyone can figure out the title of my album, you get a free ticket to Yeezy 3. Mm-hmm. Now, people somehow figured out that the title of this album has the initials T-L-O-P. Yeah. I don't know if anyone successfully guessed what it is yet. And Yeezy 3 is this event happening tomorrow at Madison Square Garden where he will be live streaming his album oh. and he's going to have like performance artists and like he's been tweeting hyping about it he's going to get like as many celebrities and guests to be there like he, sh- he showed this text that he sent it where he's I'm, just, I'm assuming he was talking to his assistant it's like invite every pro wrestler just <laughs> all the pro wrestlers Invite Michael Jordan. Just invite all these people. And as well as this big event that's happening at Madison Square Garden, it is going to be broadcast movie theaters all over the world that people can watch the streaming of this album. And then Yeezy 1 and 2 were his fashion shows. Okay. And this is Yeezy 3, so I don't know if there's going to be fashion involved with this or not either. Yeezy, Yeezy. Yeah. And... In reference to this album that's dropping tomorrow, Kanye recently had to clarify that this album will not be the greatest album of all time, (laughs) which he had at one point in time said, and then he took to Twitter to apologize to all of his heroes. He sent an apology to Q-Tip, Puff, Hav, Lauren, Farside, Mary, Stevie, Michael Hendricks, Pete Rock, Pac, and Marvin. And he clarified that it will be one of the greatest albums of all time, but not the greatest album of all time. See, this is exactly my problem with Kanye. Just play the shtick, for Christ's sake. No one was taking it seriously to begin with. You don't have to clarify. We knew it wasn't going to be the greatest. But that's your shtick. You just play it out. When I saw him in concert, I'm just going to rant for 30 seconds. I saw him in concert. He did the same thing. The Yeezus Show. The whole thing was like Illuminati, very subversive. That he was God. That was the whole premise. I am a God. And no one really thought he was God. (laughs) Kanye, just so you know. And then, two-thirds of the way through, he cuts the act. Jesus comes out. He kneels to him, does a prayer, and then just starts talking to the audience like, Yeah, you know, I I love God. I love Jesus. And now I'm going to rant about Swayze and all these people. He was like, come on. Just be, if you're going to be just an egomaniac douchebag, let that be your shtick. Like David Bowie, he knew. 
you're a performer, you're a character, and you keep that. You know what I mean? Ah, Kanye, damn it, easy. Easy. And to make us like him even more, (laughs) he also (laughs) just tweeted in all caps, Bill Cosby Innocent, with a series of like 20 exclamation points after Great way to promote your new album. (laughs) Bill Cosby Innocent. I I guess allegedly in one of the songs, he dropped part of the album coming out facts. He references Cosby, the line... Do anybody feel bad for Bill Cosby? Did he forget the names just like Steve Harvey? Huh. What's that a reference Well, to? Steve it's Harvey, Steve Har- the host of Family whatever Feud. fucking like, game shows. I guess <laughs> there's also been uh, allegations. allegations. Uh, oh, no, no. He was... Maybe that's in reference to the fact that he... Uh, didn't he, like... For the Miss Universe contest. Or oh whatever. yeah, he, he forgot the, the name. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I that's don't, I don't know what that has to do with Cosby, but I guess because Bill Cosby's forgetting claims he doesn't the know names these of women. the people that he raped yeah. because he raped them. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, Kanye, great PR, great PR team over there. Really good. You mean really the good. Illuminati? <laughs> yeah, the Illuminati. If there is an Illuminati. He is like their number one dude sitting yeah. in their pocket. <laughs> hey, that, he's making them so much. There's money. that new ba- Beyonce song. Oh, yeah. Beyonce format formation. Formation. Beyonce. I haven't. I can never say her name. I did not watch the music video. I. It has gotten so much hype that I just, gut, by gut reaction, dislike it. I watched it for like 30 seconds and was like, wow, it's a lot of iconic imagery of kind of African-American history, but one of the first lines references the Illuminati. I'm sure it does. It does it. And uh, it's ambiguous what she's trying to say about the Illuminati, so... Maybe she's... It's like a plea for help. <laughs> yeah, help me out! I... Honestly, Beyonce is, like, so off my radar. I have, like, no good or bad feelings towards her. I just... Yeah. We, like go our separate ways <laughs> i guess i don't know you just haven't had your beyonce experience yeah you haven't beyonce yeah i guess <laughs> all right let's let's move out of kanye corner let's move into other music news now that we're almost 20 minutes into the episode <laughs> so death grips just released a new song hothead off their upcoming album bottomless pit which follows their allegedly last album they would ever make, Jenny Death. Yeah. And other interesting note, Stefan Burnett, a.k.a. MC Ride, lead mm-hmm. singer of Death Grips, just launched a website called stefanburnett.com featuring original acrylic paintings on canvas along with an email address to contact him, which is leading people to speculate that they can either a commission a painting or b purchase one of the paintings on the website yeah as you might imagine they're very dark and disturbing (laughs) they're pretty much all like this dark grayish blue color Mm. and they're all kind of disturbing images yeah very death grippy yeah and uh kendrick lamar was nominated for 11 grammys he said quote i want to win them all it's bigger than me 
When we think about the Grammys, only Lauryn Hill and Outkast have won Album of the Year. This would be big for hip-hop culture at large. Yeah. And I think he deserves to win all wow. 11. I yeah. don't even know what 11 categories it are, but I'm sure he deserves <laughs> to win all 11. Yeah, no doubt. I don't even know what else is nominated, but I'm sure it's just a bunch of pop bullshit. So. Here's the UK dot. It's probably uh, that album you told me about, about the three guys who have no country... Oh yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I doubt. I'm sure they got the nod. <laughs> yeah. Amanda Palmer of the Dresden Dolls recently just released a string quartet tribute to David Bowie mm. called "Strung Out in Heaven." It features a cover of Black Star, Space Oddity, Ashes to Ashes, Heroes, a German version of Heroes called Hilden, and then an instrumental version of Life on Mars. Part of the profits from this album will go to Bowie's publishers for the rights to the songs, and every purchase between now and March 5th, the rest of the proceeds will go to the Cancer Research Wing of Tufts Medical Center. And it features guest appearance by her famous author husband, Neil Gaiman, Mm. John Cameron Mitchell, the director and actor, and a British musician named Anna Calvi. Wow. I listened to it. It's actually pretty good. Nice. It's wow. nice and quaint, and it's just really nice to listen to. I'll I think they did a really good job with the Black Star cover. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Wow. Let's see. Billy Corrigan news what? of the Smashing Pumpkins. Billy. Billy Corrigan is embarking on a journey across the country to make a documentary about America. Oh my and he's God. asking us about oh. where he should go. No, Billy, no. Any, anyone can email him if they think they're interesting enough to be in his documentary. This is going to be the worst documentary ever. And he specifically <laughs> asked for like old-timey parlors and bars to... Oh. <laughs> Sounds so... Are you joking? Are you making this I'm up? I'm not... Fu- just... Do you know all oh the shit God. that he's been up to these past 10 years? Every no. time he's in the news, it's not a good thing. Yeah. He has not aged oh culturally well. Yeah, he's not. Uh, after this documentary road trip, he is then embarking on an acoustic Smashing Pumpkins tour. Hmm. Yes. And he says that he will repay anyone that will let him shoot at their place of establishment or home with like a little private song. Oh, nice. Concert. She said he will bring an acoustic guitar and play songs for people in payment for helping with the documentary. Wow. So that's kind of oh, cool. But yeah, it's going to be a fucking shit show. America through Billy Corgan's eyes. <laughs> Sounds like a nightmare. Wow. <laughs> He's just going to be really sad. Everywhere he goes. <laughs> oh, and there's probably going to be some professional wrestling in it too. You know that he has his own wrestling federation, right? I've, is that even true? It I've is heard that. Entirely 100% sure. What? Yeah. He's like a diehard professional wrestling fan. You, maybe he really is just like a little like infantilized man. <laughs> yeah. God. How was your music in the 90s so good? And you're so bad. Because he. Had like James Eha and other awesome band members yeah. to like balance him. Yeah, he's he's a tortured genius. Yeah, you they're know? terrible alone. Yeah. <laughs> 
So have you heard about Republican presidential candidate and governor of Ohio, John Katish? Kasich. Kasich, sorry. I think. Yeah, Kasich. You heard about yeah. his promise to reunite Pink Floyd if elected president? I, I've just seen the headline. <laughs> like, uh, uh, he stated, and I quote, And if I'm president, I'm going to once and for all try to reunite Pink Floyd to come together and play a couple songs. <laughs> and since we have so much trouble in America with our finances, I'm going to start with a little song they created called Money. Money! So, oh my let's all vote Republican, guys. Dude. Let's get Pink Floyd back together. Who says there's something wrong with our democratic model? We you, gotta find people like Because you know, uh, white-ass honky <laughs> from Ohio is going to somehow rebuild the bridge burnt between the members of Pink Floyd, yeah. who we know get along so swimmingly well <laughs> these days. Yeah. And they have. They have. Reunited a few times at like the Live Aid concert. Yeah, but not with what Roger Waters or whatever. It's always been with a different lead singer because he wants. No, I, I'm pretty sure. Wait, I, we'll have to fact check this. Okay. I, I thought, might be wrong. I could. It's very. You're probably right. But I have a memory of being like 17 or 16, like 2006 Live Aid, for like four songs. Roger Waters was there with everyone. I'll have to double check. But you, you might be right. Gilmore, but the more I think about it, the more you're probably I just Damn know. It. <laughs> just in my dreams, I've been reading. Well, this is why you got to vote for John Kasich. Kasich. <laughs> Kasich, you got me. You got my vote. You got man. Dom's vote. You got one. You got the <laughs> vote of Dommy Jugs. <laughs> Dommy Jugs coming at you. So, did you hear that the first new Monkeys album in 20 years will be coming out this year? The Monkeys? The Monkeys. No, I did not hear this. Yes. Are you making up all the news yeah. <laughs> right this week? I just, <laughs> I just had a little too much fun. Is, yeah. No, even though the his name is eluding me right now, Davy Jones, the lead yeah, singer yeah, of The Monkeys, yeah. has passed away. There was enough already previously written material that was never recorded, and they actually brought in a bunch of other songwriters to help write new music for this. So we have uh, Rivers Cuomo of Weezer, Ben wow. Gibbard of Death Cat for Cutie, Noel Gallagher of Oasis, Andy Partridge. And so they're going to be all writing new songs wow. plus this old unreleased material. And yeah, as of this June, a new Monkeys album is coming out. Is this going to be featured in the Billy Corgan documentary? Well, they were British, okay? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. They got nothing Damn to do it. with America, Dominic. John Kasich, he could bring them over here. He could do it. He is a bridge between our <laughs> British allies. Yeah. Wow. You know, he's got yeah. Pink Floyd on retainer. Oh, yeah. He has Rolodex, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Get over here, guys. Yeah. Come on. So, everyone's favorite shit show, Wes Scantlin, is at it once again. Hell, yeah. This time in the middle of a concert at Moretta, Ohio, in Moretta, Ohio, Scantlin stopped in the middle of the show to rant at an audience member about stealing his house. Mm-hmm. I will, this is a direct quote from what he said in the middle of the song. <laughs> uh, get ready for some expletives. Keep your goddamn money. 
fuck it. This motherfucker right here stole my motherfucking house, and mm-hmm. now he's standing right fucking in front of me laughing at me. Mm-hmm. And he fucking figures I'm a fucking joke. This motherfucker right here. This motherfucker right here. Get his ass on camera, right? Get his ass on camera. Get his ass on camera. This dog right here. This motherfucker right here. This guy stole my fucking house. To when Scantlin then tosses his microphone away, puts on his jacket, Mm. and walks off stage. I can't fault him for this one. Okay, because who hasn't been performing in your band and the freaking dude that stole your house shows up the nerve of this guy i know and just starts laughing at it you happens, who hasn't been there it happens to you every time and we are told that we gotta just keep our mouths and shut it's you know crazy I mean? how it always happens with the fact that your foreclosed house is in los angeles and he always comes and follows you to, to Moret, yeah. not even ohio Marietta, Ohio, that Whoa. that city See? that we all know. He See? always comes to Marietta, Ohio. See, he to just finally rub it took in a stand. Face. He finally took a stand against this guy. He this is saying guy. what we've all been thinking. Wes, we got your back, man. I'm sorry, John. <laughs> I can't give you my vote. I'm gonna be writing in a name on my ballot this year, <laughs> yeah. and it'll be Wes Scantlin. Because he's gonna stop that dude from or showing you know up to your show and laughing. Do at what you I'm gonna do. I'm gonna draw a picture of his face <laughs> on the ballot on the ballot. And then next to it with an arrow, right, this motherfucker right here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. That's my vote. So I'm going to vote for everything for the rest of my life from yeah. now on. And my last bit of news is something you turned me on to, so I don't know if you want to talk oh. about it, but Paul McCartney's audio oh, emojis. Oh, yes. oh, man. So, okay, all you wing nuts out there, I know what you've been thinking. Why can't I get a little bit of wing action, a little wing vibe in my text messages, right? You send these emojis. They got a little bit of wing vibe, but they need more wing vibe. Andrew Paul McCartney. Take it up. Take it, Jared. Paul McCartney was recently commissioned by Skype Mm -hmm. to put together a series of Valentine's Day centered audio emojis. It's going to be hot. These are five second songs as. And they involve instruments and yeah. his voice, and they all have a little cute animation having to do with love and Valentine's Day. It will be great. It will be so good. It will be like everything Wings did collapse in a five seconds. Oh. Mwah. 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 Man, it's it. It'll be a tasty meatball. <laughs> it's gonna be erotic. So watch out. Careful how you use these suckers, fellas. All right. <laughs> Careful. We all remember that wing show where, you know, just everyone starts getting a boner. And... Oh, we've all been to that show. That's the same <laughs> yeah, show where the guy shows up and then he stole show. your house. And then the boners go down. <laughs> but then Paul brings them back up. That's the wing action. It's like the Red Bull gives you wings. <laughs> yeah. It just brings you right up. Exactly. He puts little wings on your members and they flutter and now we until got it pulls those. it up. And now we got those as emojis. Thank you, It's going to be hot. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. I... I am so glad that everything you've done and the legacy behind you has led you to this moment <laughs> of giving us what we all, we knew we needed, but we didn't really know until yeah. we heard it, which is yeah. audio emojis. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. All right. So uh, <laughs> what have you been listening to lately? Anything you want to, worth mentioning? Let me give a shout out to an album that is... Oh, close. It's close to 
to 50 years old. That's insane. It's not 50 years old yet. In the year 2021, it will be 50. But that's close. 1971, John Prine's album, John Prine. This album is so old and so humble, modest, that I think it's deep and it's hip. I think people could dig it. You compared someone on last week's episode to John Prine, didn't Courtney you? Barnett. Yeah. Okay. Courtney Barnett, it's very similar. She has a sort of like dry, kind of sarcastic, clever lyrics. That's John Prine, 100%. See, I don't think I've ever even heard of John Prine before. He's a... He's still alive. He still tours. He still, like, sells out shows. He was, like, kind of heralded as, like, maybe, like, the next Dylan when he came out. But he just just continued to make more or less the same type of, like, folk, like, blue-collar music. He just sings about the most, like, mundane stuff. But it's, I would say this, it's like a mix between Courtney Barnett and, in a way, I would say, uh... Neutral Milk Hotel. What's his name? Uh, Jeff Mangum. He has a similar knack of like, he just presents ideas, like themes, that just like get collaged in his songs through the words. I mean, it's all lyrically driven, that just create a sort of very like, kind of like hits you in the gut kind of so, image. So, what's the name of this album? It's called John Prime. It's, it's self-titled. Yep. yep, just self-titled, and it's just very blue collar. I mean. It, it's almost it's it's so unlike anything else I would listen to because it's borderline like country music, but the different themes, marijuana, he's got a great marijuana anthem, authenticity, war, age, death, it's just a kind of nitty gritty look at life. But it's he's just a lyrical genius. I gotta say, I gotta give John Prine a huge shout out, especially with the Courtney Barnett, Father John Misty types making their way back. You gotta check out John. We'll have to ch- so. If I were to post a song off this album on the Tumblr post for this episode, is there a song you would recommend? I would say you should post "Hello in There." Hello, get "Hello in There," because it's a song written in the perspective of someone who's like 80 years old, and this is like a 20-year-old man, and it's v- unlike anything you'll ever hear. I'll, I will check it I'll out. Do it. I just today got into a huge kick of a, a band I haven't listened to in a while. Well, project, I guess. Have you ever heard of Baths? Baths? No. No. It's... I've taken a few. <laughs> Badoom-cha! Hey! Right. You're all night, the, folks. That's the end of the episode, guys. Thank hey. you for listening. And thank you very uh, much. I'm here all night. Oh, God damn. <laughs> um, so, it's this guy. His name is uh, Will... Will Westenfeld, or... Weinfeld, he's a electronic music producer living in California, and he just—he's got some of the most creative music I've ever heard. He's a—he mm-hmm. is classically trained pianist. He's, he's very well trained, and he—he he just his beats are like the most organic sounding percussion nice. I've ever heard. And like he did an episode of that song explorer podcast i was talking oh, yeah. about yeah. and like he talks about like how he hates how structural and like static electronic music can get so he purposefully like 
breaks things and leaves imperfections in there and it's just it's very layered music yeah and then he also has like just the most nice off the wall weird vocal melodies in there he usually sings in a falsetto and just i don't know i feel like it's just every time i'm like starting to like kind of figure i can feel where the song's going it just takes a sharp turn nice but it's extremely catchy and accessible it's not like one oh tricks or arca it yeah. is very enjoyable to listen to but it keeps you guessing nice yeah i'm nice. hoping he hasn't put out he put out a new e, an ep last year but other than that he's only has like two official lps and a rarities one i'm really hoping that he's putting out a new album soon and also if you like weird ass vine accounts <laughs> he has a great vine account i ah, highly recommend following nice. him on vine yeah really yeah, weird yeah. awesome right up my alley <laughs> I guess with that, we can move on to our first track. Mm. Now that it's almost 40 minutes into the episode, <laughs> these are getting longer and longer. Too much, so much news, I, man. I, I made up too, mu- too much music news. It was very creative, though. I respect that craft. Creative. It's very good. Right, our first track, Niobe by Caribou, off the 2007, 2007 album Andorra. Caribou, a.k.a. Daniel Snaith is a Canadian composer, musician, and recording artist from Dundas, Ontario. He uh, makes music in the electronica, IDM, folktronica, neo-psychedelia, shoegaze realm of stuff. Mm. He originally recorded music under the name Manitoba, but after being threatened with a lawsuit by Richard Handsome Dick Manitoba, formerly the punk or the lead singer of the punk band the dictators he changed his performance name to caribou because hmm. i guess only one man handsome what. dick thinks that it's taking away from his <laughs> cult of personality or something yeah uh he the also, dick would speak for itself you would think yeah handsome anyway. dick yeah. he also has released music under the moniker daphne uh, which mm. is a much more dancier and club friendly sound compared to his more kind of like IDM-ish stuff as Caribou. Yeah. And let's see what else. In 2005, Snaith uh, received a doctorate in mathematics yeah. from the Imperial College of London for his work on overconvergent sigil modular symbols <laughs> now if any of you are curious in mathematics sigil modular forms are a major type of automorphic form now these stand in relation to the conventional elliptic modular forms as albion varieties do in relationships to elliptic curves of course and you know the complex manifolds constructed as these in the theory are basic models for what the module space for Albion varieties, you know, with some extra level structure should be. Mm-hmm. As quotients mm-hmm. of sigil upper half space rather than the upper half plane by discrete groups. That's what I was trying to tell that guy when he was stealing my house, you know, but he now, just if anybody knows what I just <laughs> said, please email us and tell me. I have no idea what the fuck. Where'd you, just you find said. that? Was that, that like was, his abstract? That on was his just paper? the wow. first paragraph wow. of the Wikipedia page <laughs> for 
what he did his dissertation wow. on. Man. Man, I I literally like the first sentence. Sigil modular forms are the major type of automorphic form. I don't I don't know what that is. Yeah. I don't know anything <laughs> about any of that. It's got stuff to do with numbers. So, he's a smart dude. Yeah. And if you were curious, the title of this album, Andorra, is a sovereign landlocked microstate in southwestern Europe, located <laughs> in the eastern Pyrenees Mountains and bordered by Spain and France. And it is a monarchy headed by two princes, the Spanish oh. Roman Catholic Bishop of Urgil and the President of France. Wow, go figure, man. Yeah. Though I'm not sure if the title of this album has anything to do with <laughs> principality or not. It is named after this principality. Yeah, wow. Andorra was named the winner of the 2008 Polaris Music Prize. Mm. And while working on this album, uh, Snaith has said that he was highly inspired by the British producer and DJ James Holden. He said, I quote, I wanted to make dance music where all the elements would sound like water and have these waves that flow around or in and out of the mix. And when I was making Andorra, I was listening to a lot of music by James Holden. His music would flow and disintegrate unexpectedly. It breathes very well. And this track, Niobe, was Snaith's way of attempting to imitate the sound that Holden made and try to figure out his techniques. Hmm. Now, in Greek mythology, Niobe is a character in Greek mythology. I'm sure you know this. But for anyone who doesn't, Niobe was known for being extremely, or her, she was known for her proud hubris and excessive mm. boasting of her 14 children, yeah, the yeah. Neobids, to Leto, who only had two children, Apollo and Artemis. Niobe's speech caused the indignation of the goddess, who then sent Apollo and Artemis to slay all of her children. <laughs> Niobe fled. Old school justice, yeah. baby. Niobe then fled to Mount Syphilis. Supplius? <laughs> Let's go with syphilis. Is it syphilis? I have no clue. S-I-P-Y-L-U-S. Syphilis. Syphilis. She fled to Mount Syphilis and turned to stone, and as she wept unceasingly, water started to pour out from her petrified complexion. Sad. And to this day, Mount Syphilis indeed has a natural rock formation which resembles a female face, and it is known to cry when it rains because it is limestone and water weeps out of the eye holes where this female face is. So I don't know if the Greek figure Niobe had anything to do with this song, but there is that. Damn. So what did you think of Niobe? I mean, I, I'm very biased up front. I'll say caribou I'm a big fan of. The uh, Milk of Human Kindness, one way the, back. One of the best albums ever. Way back. That Yeah, that was like one of the first like electronic albums I ever listened to. So good. When did that come out? Like 2003? It had to have been the early. I mean, this, so this yeah. album came out 2007, and I think, yeah, it had to have been the early to mid-2000s. Yeah. And then this album, Swim. Oh, man, I'm a huge fan of this album. A fan of I've heard this song before and I love this song. I love this song. I, I think it's brilliant. I think it's a fantastic, fantastic mix of like and again, I don't know a lot about electronic music, but this is like a fantastic mix of like kind of natural kind of percussion. There's even bass at times. 
and electronic artificial sounds that are both like conventional you know kind of danceable and then like sound like they're edging on like glitching out and like kind of falling apart and oh it's good i i love this song i love this song yeah i i loved it too it's uh, it's great i love how slowly it grows and yeah. what i really love is that he keeps like hinting at this possible like percussive breakdown yep, like exactly. this fill comes in yeah and then yeah. nothing yeah it never like yeah you never feel satisfied because it keeps leading up to yeah. it and then it's exactly yeah i yeah. love that yeah just like percussion builds and bolts and then t- yeah. yeah it's yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's like good. it's like a good dealer like <laughs> giving you a little taste so you want to come back for more yeah yeah and i i love how like kind of quiet and meek his vocals are yeah 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 and lyrically it's 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 a minimal song yeah it seems to hint at like the loss of a loved one or regret in regards to a loved one yeah like i said like, i don't know if it has anything to do with like the greek myth of niobe but it kind of loss of loved it, one yeah, and it could that's why yeah his the lyrics again they like you said exactly they're, i mean they could they're so general mm-hmm. but they seem like they could mean you know what I mean? That's that's a kind of subtle space to hit, yeah. where your lyrics—it's not lyrically driven, but they're like oh, you could kind of see how they would lean towards something. And I like the it's kind of like a dichotomy in the song because it's it's very driving, but at the same time it's very calm and peaceful. Yeah, exactly. And it, yeah. it they don't conflict. They they juxtapose well together. It's, they work together. Yeah, I draw. I wrote like it. It's it's like drowning in noise. But there's a calm through line. Yeah. Somehow he carries that where it's like you're on the brink, like those percussive kind of jolts. But it's sometimes it sounds like it's like a Gregorian chant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and yeah, and I love what you said about his voice. It's like kind of dispassionate, kind of ethereal. But it's just, ah. Well, and then what I really love is like while in both ears of the audio mix he's singing like i fell so far yeah and like in like the very back of just the left speaker is like the actual verses and he's just like quietly saying them yeah so it's like you really have to actually strain to hear what he's saying because it's being overtaken by the music and him just saying i fell so far over and over again yeah no it's yeah it's amazing i mean i would love to hear him on like song explode of how he does this layers all that sound together yeah, and so cohesively it. too yeah like it's not just a wall of sound either no. it all like flows and fits together like a jigsaw puzzle yeah i mean he mu- i mean we can't only guess but he must bring his like math ex- that, that oh, precision sure. it's like unbelievable a precision. brain that can like yeah s- like look at math like music is math it's been yeah. said before yeah like yeah if he's got all the equations he knows how it works sonically yeah because yeah I, like he'll have like archipeggios if i can even say that they're fast you know within kind of the slower rhythm going and that's just like one tiny dimension of this huge like palette of sound but it doesn't sound like animal collective i love animal collective I love them to death, but I have to bring them in as a counterpoint. Animal Collective, they like have great, crazy, manic sounds, and they have like soothing vocals, 
but sometimes it's just like here's a crazy sound here in this corner here's a vocal here in this corner here's another crazy sound and here's another crazy sound and it sounds good but this is like I, I I'm not eloquent at all but this is like everything at once and it is one ultimately coherent just piece you know what I'm saying? Like I do. I I just uh, I don't listen to enough electronic music to know if this is rare or not. But like it's I think so it's pretty well. Rare. Like he's done. Oh, he's pretty highly regarded in the music world. Yeah. There's, there's like there's a reason he's very talented. Yeah. 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 Man. Yeah. But yeah, this is like this is my jam. This is if I had to listen to electronic music. This is Caribou. Yeah, my go-to. Love Caribou's Caribou. where it's at. Yeah, and Milk of Human Kindness. That's such a good album. That's such a good album. Too. I love that album. Yeah. That song, uh, Pelican Arrows on that album. Yeah. <laughs> I freaking love that yeah. song. No, it's brilliant. And I love, and again, there's that psychedelic. I'm, I'm a sucker for anything even remotely psychedelic, which sometimes just means experimental. But he carries, you know, at times, just that constant sonic layering that doesn't sound bombastic it's coherent yeah exactly it's that's good it's fantastic all right let's move on to our next song because we can only say that other song is great so many times (laughs) it's great it's really great let's move on to the song that song is great come on jared just wait it's great (laughs) it's great let's uh let's move on to born and raised by alexis on fire off the 2009 album Old Crows slash Young Cardinals. Alexis on Fire is a five-piece Canadian post-hardcore band that formed in St. Catharines, Ontario. There's two Ontario-based musicians so far. The band's name was derived from Alexis Fire, who is the self-proclaimed only, the world's only, lactating contortionist stripper wow can we get the lactating part out she's the the, the only one (laughs) jesus christ yeah and i I guess there was actually like a a potential lawsuit like when she found out that these guys named their band after her she tried to sue them (laughs) but then she had no like copyright ownership over the name so she dropped the charge Wait, so is it Alex or Alexis? It's Alexis. It is Ale- okay, Alexis. So now, on so fire. that settles. Okay. Yep. Okay. Okay. The uh, the band themselves have described their music as the sound of two Catholic high school girls' midnight fight. Huh. Yeah. Can't say I. I hear don't that. think I hear that either. But uh, they're um. And I've also, seen two Catholic well, girls. I should fight. also say. This song you heard was off of the last album they ever put out. And they, for their first album, their first album, the album art was actually a picture of two Catholic girls with, like, knives in a fight. (laughs) They've matured a bit since those days. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But still to this day, if you go, like, on their Twitter account, because they recently got back together, it's still, their bio says the sound of two, so, like, they still stick by it. Yeah. Even yeah. though they've kind of matured a bit. Yeah, yeah. So, while touring a promotion for this album, they played a free all-ages show at the 2010 Winter Olympics in the venue Live City Yale Town. 
though the band was forced to cancel the show 10 seconds into the first song because after the audience rushed the stage they broke a barricade and a bunch of people got trampled and i guess like 19 people were trampled but no 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 one wow. died but yeah it's got to be a record, like 10 seconds into a set, and that's the end of the concert. Why would people care to rush the stage on? Because they're kind of a punkish band. Okay, okay. Guess, like okay, slam part dancing. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So the, the first pressing of the <laughs> vinyl for this album, Old Crows and Young Cardinals, it came with a quote from the French philosopher... Dennis Diderot, Denny Diderot, I, I don't know. Diderot. Yeah, there you go. Probably. What he said. <laughs> From his poem, I'm going to do this even worse, Les Ethumeromains. <laughs> and I'm not even going to try to read the, the quote, but what it translates to, the literal translation that mm. came on this album is... And his hands would plate the priest's entrails for want of rope to strangle kings, which has been taken to mean man will never be truly free until the last king has been strangled to death with the entrails of the last priest. Wow. So it's kind of like <laughs> no religion, no government. Anarchy. Anarchy. Kind of Anarchy. Freedom. I dig it. Whoop, whoop. Canada. Canada? I, I wanted to say America, but they're Canadians. So yeah, Canada. Canada. Yeah. Canada. There's some can Canada equivalent to America. Nada. Nada. <laughs> Nada. We'll have to ask them. So uh, this song, Born and Raised, from what I gathered from the lyrics, is about the conflict one runs into when confronting their beliefs, value systems, mm. whether it be religion, science, or even nothingness. It, the song seems to be from many different perspectives. Some, like one line is from like a nihilist perspective, one is from a religious person's perspective. I think mm. that it's trying to say that, you know, we'll we'll never know the true answers in this life. Like we weren't meant to know what the meaning of life is, and no matter what we choose to believe in, if you look deep enough into it, you'd just be filled with doubt and uncertainty. Mm. Yeah. Now, what did what did you think of this song? So, you gotta deal with this song on two counts. One, the instrumentation. Two, the lyrics. Instrumentally, I thought it was decent. It's not really my cup of tea, but it was like metal with the kind of minor chord feel of maybe kind of like hardcore emo. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know if that seems fair to you. Oh, yeah, they they definitely. So I guess I didn't really talk about. I did call them a post-hardcore band. Post-hardcore, yeah, they, okay. They're definitely in the post-hardcore emo swing of things. Okay. More leaning on the post-hardcore, post-punk side post of things. Side. Okay. Just because the clean vocals aren't like the traditional kind of nasally vocals yeah, of an no. emo. Yeah, they're clean. And yeah, the yeah, screaming clear. is not like the shrill shrieks of an emo song. It's more of like a gruff growl. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Most hardcore emo. It's, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, fast driving rhythm and drums. You know, I thought I thought it was okay. The lyrics. The lyrics. Quite the, quite the uh, quandary. I, I can't. Be honest. I'm trying to, like, read the look on your face right <laughs> now. I 
think yeah. you don't like them, but yeah. I can't tell. Because I, it's exactly right. I think I don't like them, but I'm not sure. What I mean is this. It's hard to talk about pretentiousness without sounding pretentious. But what is the definition of pretension? I had to look it up. The absolute textbook definition. We use it, but what is it? It's basically trying to seem as if there's more substance and depth than there really is. That is the textbook definition. And I couldn't help but think that these guys read one book, apparently you named it, by Diderot, and that was the entire <laughs> substance of these lyrics. I kept looking for something like, oh, these are interesting themes and ideas, right? Nature's indifference. Ah, I wish I could believe, but I can't. Let's see. Uh, Nihilist sleeps, and in his dreams, he sees God's face. Realize even disbelief requires a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there... I mean, okay, so... For, I guess, their audience... These are a lot deeper and thought-provoking than yeah. the more like, you broke my heart, I'll cut my wrist, <laughs> that tends yeah. to be totally. associated with this genre. No, see, in that I, I agree. They're lyrically mature for that genre. But was it still kind of that nostalgic angriness at the youth? Like, I wish I could have believed, but I can't. See, I honestly, I'm usually a fan of screaming and loud stuff but the, the clean vocals were probably my favorite part of this song yeah yeah and the clean vocals were just kind of singing about this vague sense of doubt and regret it yeah was the screaming guy that was doing all of like the <laughs> nihilism yeah yeah god and nature stuff which maybe that's what made it seem extra and I will say I did mm. read in like an interview the guy who does the screaming vocals in this band his favorite book is House of Leaves which should uh, probably tell you a little bit about him uh, he's, he's really deep <laughs> let me just tell you he's... see as someone so here's a little self-disclosure I'm in graduate school what I'm in the get out of here I am in the thick of it where you read tons of shit that's very deep or you're told it's very deep, and you feel like you gotta say the same deep shit that all these people said. And if you just keep saying that deep shit, it's as if you think you'll become deep. It's like a mantra. Exactly. Keep saying it. Exactly. But Dominic can... is a recovering <laughs> Heideggerian. 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 Exactly. But. That's the thing, man. None of these deep thinkers were there reading other deep thinkers and repeating everything they were saying. They were saying, like Tom Waits is the perfect example. Tom Waits has infinitely more depth in his lyrics than this because he just says crazy shit <laughs> that's on his mind. He just says the craziest yeah, no, shit this, ever. This definitely has the vibe of like, I took intro to philosophy <laughs> yes, and I know yeah. some shit now. <laughs> Yeah. Now, but but you're so right. It's a quantum leap. Yeah. From those other lyrics. Yeah. It, it is a quantum. It's hard. Leap. I gotta give them that. I guess I it, have to give them that. It's in some ways, it's a little cringeworthy. Like you're looking, it's like, 
Because you know you you know you've been there. Like at one point in time, I was that philosophy major student Me too. who was like, I am him every other yeah. day, man. And yeah. it's like once you realize the absurdity of that, <laughs> you can only look back at this and kind of like wince. Yeah. But then there's other music out there. It's like, well, fuck. At least these guys put in effort. True. Like, yeah. So true. it's. Yeah, that's why, and that's why I gave you that face, which yeah. you read perfectly. It's, it's conflict. I think I don't like it, but I'm not sure. Conflict. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think overall, it's an okay song. It's kind of generic. Yeah. Instrumentally, I really like yeah, the clean guy's yeah. vocals. Same. Yeah, I thought those were. I He's a good kinda, singer. I put kind of incubacy lyrics, which to me is His... like the gold standard of like kind of alt rock. So. I have a recommendation for you then. If you dug the clean guy's vocals, there's yeah. a guy named Dallas Green. Dallas Green. He has a solo project called City of Color. He got the name because his first name is a city and his last name is a color. Dallas Green, <laughs> City of Color. Nice. It's a it's a folk project. And it's just him doing folk music and singing with his nice, pretty voice. He has like six albums. He's he was doing it the whole time that this band was together. So nice. if you dug his, and I know yeah. I know you're kind of a folky fan. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. would you should check him out. I think you'd like him. He just put out an album this last year. I can't remember the name of it, but it's pretty good. Nice. Yeah, I'll check. That. I mean, it's not it's not amazing, but it's nice to listen yeah. to. Yeah. No, I thought the clean vocals yeah. they were solid, very solid. Yeah. All right, I guess. With that, we can move on to Roulette Dares, The Haunt Of by the Mars Volta. Yeah. Off the 2003 album, Deloused in the Comatorium. <laughs> the Mars Volta was an American experimental progressive rock band from El Paso, Texas. The band formed following the breakup of lead singer Cedric Byler Zavala and lead guitarist Omar Rodriguez Lopez's previous band at the Drive-In, who I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. At the Drive-In is probably my all-time favorite post-hardcore first wave emo nice. band who are getting back together this year, actually. So, yeah, at the Drive-In broke up, the Mars Volta was formed. Mm. While they were still in at the drive-in Cedric and Omar began to kind of explore more of an experimental and dub influence sound with the mm. side project they were in at the time called de facto and in 2001 due to creative differences with some of the members of at the drive-in both in the sound of the band and some of the members drug usage at the drive-in broke up <laughs> Cedric Omar and the members of de facto then went on to form the Mars Volta the remaining members of at the drive-in went to go form the post hardcore band Sparta who are a very famous oh, post hardcore band I didn't actually know that wow yeah and wow. so the lead singer of Sparta Jim Ward his brother Jeremy Ward was actually in that de facto band and went to the Mars Volta camp of things <laughs> wow yeah. so the name the Mars Volta Cedric the lead singer of the band had this to say about where their name came from the Volta is taken from Federico Fellini books about his films where he characterize or what he characterizes as a changing of a scene or a turnaround he calls them a Volta a new scene to him is called Volta you know changing of time and the changeover and Mars we're just fascinated by science fiction, so and it's something that ultimately looked as in anything I write. Its meaning is always up to the listener. 
as the way we write songs and words, it looks great on paper, or if it looks great on paper to us, then it's like a painting. So if it looks good, meaning the second that people use, this guy's quote makes no sense. <laughs> Basically, he says that people can just make up their own meaning about it because it'll probably be better than what they actually intended in the first place. Nice. In 2012, the Mars Volta broke up with Omar, the guitarist, and the drummer, Denton Parks, going on to form the band Bosnian Rainbows, and Cedric, the lead singer, and bassist Juan... Alderet going out to form the band Zavala, which is named after Cedric's last name. Though, in 2014, Omar and Cedric would reunite again with their new band, Anti-Mosque, which Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers is the basis for that band. That's right. I remember hearing about that. And actually, so they put out one album in 2014. Allegedly, there's another Anti-Mosque album coming out this year, as well as, like I said, At The Drive-In is reforming, touring, and putting out a new album this year as well. Yeah. As of right now, no one knows if the Mars Volta will ever do anything again. Hmm. I, I don't think they're going to. Yeah. So, De-Loused in the Comatorium is a conceptual album based off of a short story written by Cedric. And the sound manipulation artist, Jeremy Ward, the brother of Jim Ward. So they, they wrote this short story together, which is an hour-long tale of a character named Serpent Taxed, who is a guy who enters a week-long coma after purposefully overdosing on a mixture of morphine and rat poison. And mm. while in the coma, has to go to battle with the dark parts of his mind and subconscious. So this story of Serpent Tax alludes to the life and death of the El Paso, Texas artist and friend of Cedric, Julio Vangas. Julio was a, he was an artist and poet who lived in El Paso, Texas. And he uh, went into a coma for several years after a deliberate drug overdose trying to kill himself. He actually recovered, woke back up, and while still in the hospital, snuck out of it, still in his gown, <laughs> went to the Mesa Street overpass on or going over Interstate 10 and jumped off of it into rush hour traffic. So after like several wow. years in a coma, woke up and instantly killed himself. Wow. And there's a whole lot of drama about that. Allegedly, one of the members, one of the old members of At The Drive-In, bullied this guy so much that they think that's why he tried to kill himself i mean obviously he was probably a disturbed individual anyway but so this whole album is this conceptual story based off of this person they knew in real life who overdosed and went to battle with demons in his mind while in the coma and actually i will link to it in the description for this episode but you can there's an, a PDF electronic version. You can read the whole short story the album's based off of. And interlaced through the short story are all of the song lyrics. Because if you just read the lyrics, they kind of sound like gibberish. And in the context of the story, they make a lot more sense. Yeah, it's a very yeah. fascinating read. If extremely dense, <laughs> you probably won't understand most of it. But it's an interesting read. Yeah. So... During the recording of this album, the Mars Volta had no official bassist, but Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers came in and played bass on nine of the ten tracks. Wow. 
the one song he didn't play on, uh, Justin Metal Johansson, Johnson, who was actually the former bassist of Nine Inch Nails, played the double stand-up bass for the song Televators. Oh, yeah. And uh, while on tour with the Red Hot Chili Peppers in support of this album, Jeremy Ward, the sound artist and f- the guy who helped write the short story, actually died of a heroin overdose. Wow. It is actually his death is what eventually convinced Cedric and Omar to quit doing opids. Cedric said one day we were all getting high and Jeremy asked me if I could see he had worms in his head. And he said I could never touch this stuff after that again. Damn. Yeah. And actually another founding member of this band, the keyboardist, was also recently found dead in his hotel room from an apparent heart attack. They all just keep dropping like flies. Man. Yeah, he was on tour with Jack White, I think. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Man, it's like the 60s and 70s all yeah. over again. The Shit. Renaissance. Damn. Uh, so this song, Roulette Dares the Haunt of, is it tells the story of Serpentac's journey through the Comatorium's train yard. Now, the Comatorium is the place he goes to while in his coma, and there's this haunted train yard so this song kind of documents his journey through that train yard as he's wandering through it he comes across a homeless man and asks him if there's anywhere he could rest and the homeless man tells him that well he actually dares serpent to go sleep in the haunted train called the roulette dares and after being teased and bullied he eventually goes into this train and then is attacked by some unknown creature and then the train starts moving and it takes him on this horribly violent journey which is the rest of the album ah yeah and while and then in this song i guess while he's on the train he has a vision of him being in his mother's arms and trying to be comforted by her which is alluded to in the song yeah, like I said, good luck figuring any of that out. If you read the <laughs> lyrics, you like really have to dig deep into the story to kind of to get that. That makes them that help them make a little bit more yeah. sense. Otherwise, they stream they seemed very stream of stream of conscious. Yeah, it was like wow. Well, Random. and like most of them are like I know Cedric's like vocal recording process is like literally just like singing gibberish melody and then yeah. going in and trying to like change words so it makes somewhat uh, lyrical sense. Yeah. Yeah, so what did you think of this song? I thought this was a fantastic song. Yeah, I thought this was very 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 like well done like kind of psychedelic post rock kind of manic. And yeah, I knew the Mars Volta a little bit before this. Um, but I thought, yeah, this was a fantastic kind of like a psychedelic, like fever dream flashback to taking shrooms in the desert. That was my guess yeah, before you told pretty, me what it was about. Close. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this must have been when they were tripping in the desert or something. But yeah, I thought fantastic instrumentation in the voice that his voice could so easily be unbearable, but the way he carries it is fantastic if uh, that makes any sense no it totally does because he's got like that high-pitched kind of nasally voice but he he does it so this yeah this song is so good i i fucking love this song i fucking <laughs> love this album yeah i paid an embarrassingly large amount of money to get this album on <laughs> vinyl 
Nice. I, I just this is like one of those perfect albums to me. I yeah. And I'm not usually the guy that's into the psychedelic jam band, but there's just something about this album. There's like an intoxication. I'm intoxicated yeah. with this album. Yeah. It draws me in and it it's so no, I'll definitely be listening to the whole album after. Yeah. I've heard like Televators and a few other tracks. Just they were on my radar, but I'll definitely listen to it front to back. Front to back. Because, yeah, it's fantastic song. I will boldly state without a doubt the intro track on this album is the best introduction to any album I have ever listened to of all time. Nice, yeah. <laughs> it is the opening to this album gets me like so pumped and jazzed like i i can't even describe it best yeah. opening to any album yeah this album yeah. and their second album francis the mute they were both amazing after that their next four albums i'm not a huge of a fan of yeah they stopped doing concept albums after that mm. when they focus on a central story they thrive I feel. yeah gives them kind of cool coherence a little bit i don't know i i don't i guess for how much i love this song i don't have too much to say about it it's i love the 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 spectrum of it like yeah it's manic and crazy and full of energy but there's also like this really awesome chill jazz part like it just yeah and like the four minute mark really like chill break yeah, that's beautiful. And yeah. like the his his voice, like he can do like these high yelly screams and like these like really nice low whispery vocal. Yeah. I don't know. He's he's, yeah, I wrote he's like, talented. I wrote like Jack White esque Rush. I see yeah. a Wolf Mother. It kinda of reminded me of Wolf Mother almost too, which I loved. I love Wolf Mother for like the one album that they existed. They're getting back together. Really? Yeah. Shit. It was just announced this year they are wow. working on a new album. I did not know that. I, yeah, I thought this kind of reminded me of that, roughly, kind of in the same stratosphere. But yeah, I got to say for a song that has so much rapid tempo shifts and key changes, it still retains a kind of ear for melody. That's yeah. what I was struck with. That like, wow, it's like usually you're, you know, that much going on you're just like in awe of the technical but it still has like melody yeah and i think that's rare that's rare omar wrote most of the music for this album and he's got a funny story like he's be, kind of become this like uh virtuoso guitarist like he's not a virtuoso but like <laughs> um zappa kind of yeah guitarist because yeah. what happened when he first started getting into bands no one wanted to play guitar so he got thrown on it and he was like he hated the guitar so much and just to spite his friends he like purposefully learned to play it poorly like he (laughs) he learned to play badly on purpose make it like as dissonant and off-putting as possible and it has evolved into this like eclectic unique sound that is specific to him he actually has as well as all these bands I've listed he's in He's also like Zappa in that he has like, he's got like 20 solo guitar albums. Like he puts out a guitar solo album like at least once a year. And it's just like these really avant-garde, jazzy, psychedelic guitar albums. Yeah. 
So, and Damn. actually, so he wrote most of the music for this album. He produced most of the album, too, but they actually brought in Rick Rubin to produce on this really? album, too. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Ricky boy. Man. Yeah. Which wow. surprised me because of how not mainstream this album yeah. is. And usually <laughs> everything he touches is like top 40. Yeah. Wow. wow. No, I mean, like the 230 mark. It like almost hit like free jazz. Like free music, where yeah. it was just like chaos, and which I was, I was pretty. It almost like the early Santana, Santana no, in the last thirty years has definitely become a been compared, yeah, to he, Santana. It's like that daring of that early mm-hmm. Santana. Well, when Santana first hit the scene, it was like a revelation, and now he's just so generic. Yeah, but it was like that energy of that like daring. Yeah, well, and them being from El, they have like a very strong Latin influence on their music too, yeah. which yeah. harkens back to Santana yeah. as well. Yeah, I, I don't know if you have anything else to say, but I just I love this. Song. No, a fantastic song, fantastic. Okay, fantastic song. let's move on to a song that I don't like quite as much. What? Are you serious? Yeah. Sorry, I'll get I'll get into it. What? You're gonna, I know. You have a lot of explaining to do, pal. I got, of, I got some explaining to do. A lot. We're going to two-hour mark. This national, <laughs> this national treasure, Augustana, and the song Hey Now, off the, the 2008 <laughs> album Can't Love, Can't Hurt. Mm. Mm. Reach. Augustana Ooh. is an American alternative pop rock band. I've also seen them classified as roots rock. That seems wrong. <laughs> that seems very wrong. They are from San Diego, California. They were originally called The Looking Glass, but after discovering another band of the same name, they went with Augustana instead. Uh, originally founded by Dan Leis and his friends, uh, as of now, over the course of all their albums, every person has quit the band, and it's now a solo project of Dan Leis. Leis. He's the only current member. I uh, <laughs> I really couldn't find out a ton about this band, and honestly, I just didn't give a fuck. Like, I, <laughs> what was their big hit? They had it Boston. Had, there we go. Okay. It, it was. Well, how's that go again? Do you remember? Yeah. It's it was like in every like the OC yeah. and One yeah. Tree Hill and the Hills. Like this guy Ross Langer from Pop Matters classified them as like OC rock. Yeah. I think. Yeah, like, I could see that. The Yeah. Oh no, no, that's actually the next band. He what he had to say about this song and this band was his whole review of the album talks about like the road a musician takes, like whether mm. you go down the easy path or the hard path and they went down the easy path with their Boston song, which like skyrocketed them into yeah. fame. And he says the road does have its pleasures ultimately, like cheap, overblown, small town tourist traps. A song <laughs> or two manages to divert its prescribed way. As cheesy and obvious as the kickoff track Hey Now is, we'll kill ourselves to find freedom, you'll kill yourself to find anything at all. It manages some stodly, genuine rock arena atmosphere in its opening half before it slips into the same overwrought anthems that cripples the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. Now, 
The lyrics are dumb. I don't know what he's singing about. <laughs> I don't give a fuck what he's singing about. This song hey is... Now. Hey, now. This, oh, hey, you now. You son of a bitch. <laughs> this song is so lacking in substance. <laughs> and I realize, like, following the previous song by the Mars Volta, like, it, it was kind of doomed. It looks like a turd, basically. Like, <laughs> this like song, a is, it feels turd. like nothing. It yeah. feels like fake plastic nothingness. <laughs> yeah. And every time he sings, <laughs> I just want to punch his teeth. <laughs> I wrote that it is. It's, it's the sound of an easy and safe stroll through a middling feeling. Which is exactly what how that like. guy reviewed the album described yeah. it as. Like the safe paved yep. path to rock star. Yeah. It's not hitting any transcendence nothing remotely transgressive no ambiguity it's just just it's just a minor country humdrum roots rock yeah it's just a roots rock wow that's depressing if this is a roots or rock then fucking count me out man that's terrible yeah this is it's just so generic yeah and very safe this is like the essence of like white middle-class American dude who, like, thinks he likes music and he listens to Augustana and you just want to, like, punch him in the balls because he probably has never experienced pain before. He's the kind of guy <laughs> that's at open mic night and, like, the capo on his acoustic guitar is probably <laughs> drilled into the neck of it because yeah. he never takes it off. <laughs> and he wears, yep. like, a really deep V-neck tee and has tattoos yep. and straightened bangs in his face. Yep. Uh, I, I gotta say, to write these lyrics and and then to sing them and then to say I'm gonna record them, here they are. Hey now, hey now, hey now, right now. You, that's like capital punishment. You deserve capital punishment. The musical equivalent of that, like a lifetime ban, to actually make those your lyrics and think they're profound. That's. It's very bad. It's horrible. Yeah. It's like the it's like it makes Coldplay look edgy. <laughs> that, that's oh what I wrote. <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> oh boy. This makes Coldplay no, it, look edgy. No, and it really edgy. does. <laughs> I, so it's bad. You should listen to it just cuz it's so bad. <laughs> yeah, and make sure you listen to like if you really want to truly experience how bad the song is. Put your favorite song on right before it. Yeah. It'll yeah, just yeah, destroy yeah. it. I don't, I don't want to spend any more time on the song unless you have anything else you're dying to say about it. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> okay. Let's move on to Memory by Sugar Cult mm. off the 2004 album Palm Trees and Power Lines. Sugar Cult is an American pop punk band from Santa Barbara, California. Their name is taken from lead singer Tim Paganetta's old neighbors. Uh, according to him, in the apartment complex he lived in, there was a gaggle of lesbians, like this group <laughs> of lesbians that all lived in an apartment together. It's a gaggle. And they, it's the, the technical term, yeah. <laughs> a gaggle of lesbians. And they refer to themselves as the sugar cult. And at the time when they were first forming their band, they went to like an open mic night and the MC asked them, what should I call you guys? And they arbitrarily said, oh, Sugar Cult. And Sugar it just kind of stuck and they never renamed themselves after that. <laughs> 
uh, the, the, the name of the album, Palm Trees and Power Lines, is named after the scenery in California, which is littered with palm trees and power lines. It's very astute. Yeah. Christian Horde of Rolling Stone magazine had this to say about this album and song, which goes back to actually what I was saying about the previous song. Sugar cult, uh, Sugar cult are quick to claim they're not a pop punk band. They are one of those bands that say they're not pop punk, but but yeah. they're pretty pop punk. In fact, they're closer to a narrower genre, OC rock. The Santa Barbara, California band's second album is full of dewy-eyed tunes that would make fine background music for the Fox teen drama series, particularly the hard-driving lead single, Memory on which mm-hmm. singer Tim Peg- Pegnota intones, This may never start tearing <laughs> out my heart. I'd be your memory. Very good. For each, that might have actually been better than the original. <laughs> For each woozily nostalgic or promisingly <laughs> toothy movement or moment, there's a torrent of youthful wallowing on its way. The craftsmanship on palm trees shows sugar culture moving towards adulthood, but for now, they're still mad for sadness. Uh. There are actually two music videos for this song. One is an animated one consisting of stick versions of the band members singing and performing the song. The second is a live action one, which shows the lead singer going back in time trying to fix a broken relationship intercut with shots of the band Hmm. playing the song. It's pretty much your standard pop punk song. Yeah. Uh, the I kind of feel like they're in denial if they're not. I mean, they're what not, are they if they're, they're not? They're not pop like punk. I guess they're not. They feel like a pop punk band in denial. Like they're not embracing it. Like yeah. Like some forty one, Blink one eighty two bands like that. They truly know who they are. Yeah. And they are comfortable with it. Yeah. True. I will say this guy's vocals aren't exactly pop punky they're not as like <laughs> like tom from blink 182 don't yeah. waste your time on me like yeah yeah they're yeah. not so much like a caricature of themselves you're right <laughs> but you know it's catchy but it also feels pretty hot like it leaves you feeling pretty hollow it, the, yeah the lyrics are typical i'm sad my heart was torn out i want the girl back yeah what, this what song, you? yeah, no, this song is like a, a cheeseburger off the dollar menu. Oh. <laughs> you you know it's probably gonna be shit, but you kind of want to. Every once you in a while, you kind of want it, and then you eat it, and it's as if you ate nothing. And I had the same experience. And yeah, it's like you ate nothing, no nutritional yeah, value. No nutritional and, like, value. And like the second it touches your lips, you're like, oh, I remember this feeling. Yeah, exactly. It's nostalgic. Yes, exactly. Actually, it's a perfect yeah. Yeah, extended metaphor. It's always yeah. better in your memory than in the practice of actually ingesting yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and then it, it was as if you ate nothing. Yeah. Yeah, it, I just put very standard, very standard song. Yeah. And very. Again, I would classify it under one of those like sentimental songs where the song articulates one emotion and if you want to feel that emotion for two and a half minutes, put it on. And I feel like this like there are 
certain songs that are like from my middle school times where if it comes on now it's like a twinge of nostalgia but I don't think Sugar Cult ever got like big enough to yeah. like have that yeah I don't know I have nothing against them or this song it's a little embarrassing when you like think about the fact that they're like grown ass <laughs> men singing about these feelings but yeah 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 it's uh, a very sentimental very yeah. sentimental can I be your memory Again, I just imagine like twelve-year-old kid being like, "Yeah, can't I be your <laughs> Can't I? Also, uh, what was your favorite track of the five? I must admit, it was very tough to pick between Mars Volta and Caribou. I'm a sucker for anything that's remotely psychedelic, and they both were statements in part. I think you know, psychedelic. Obviously, other genres. It very hard. This is maybe one of the closest to a tie, but I have to pick Caribou, Niobe. And I think I feel exactly like you do, but yeah. being forced, I'm going to teeter the other one towards <laughs> yeah. the Mars Volta. That's good because someone's yeah. got to give them love. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. So um, just a reminder, uh, please send in your submissions of songs that you want to hear on our listener-generated playlist. Please send in ideas for the our curated playlist specific to genres. And we're also going to start trying to feature music by you guys, the listeners, if any of you make music or friends of ours. So if you have songs you want to us to play and talk about, please send them to us on our Facebook, Twitter, email, or just text me. And send us your tunes. Yes. To J and the D. <laughs> to DJ Jugs yeah. and the J-Man. <laughs> uh, please listen to the Game Cave podcast if you'd like to listen to me talk about video games with some of my friends from high school. SoundCloud.com slash the Game Cave podcast. And next week will be our very first listener generated playlist. Nice. So we, we got five songs in. The, and here's, here's the playlist. First song submitted by my girlfriend love of my life maddie quinnell where does this disco by yacht uh, second song by our submitted by our mutual friend scott coslow he recommended <laughs> william shatner's rendition of elton john's rocket man nice nice third song submitted by host of the game cave podcast and one time guest host on shuffle my friend john miller he submitted walking my gargoyle by gothic arches and our friend and listener amanda and her fiance now congratulations you two jose congrats submitted the song twice by Little Dragon and the fifth song actually wasn't technically submitted but my mom was upset that I had mentioned my dad multiple (laughs) times on the podcast and hadn't mentioned her yet so the fifth song is dedicated to her it is the song If by the band Bread shit I know Bread she she likes Bread (laughs) so there's your five songs Uh, nice go listen to them and We'll talk about them next week. 
I hope you guys have a good week, and thank you for listening. Bye. Jugs out.